Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Chicky! Make family out of friends! Make friends out of enemies! Peace to my family! Make friends till they bury all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! We be getting it in! Where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! We know what it means when someone hears the phrase or says the phrase like he's always got his hand out or to have one's hand out. It is. And here's the definition to be in request, demand or expectations of benefits such as welfare, especially when undeserved or unneeded. Now, I feel like that hasn't applied to me many times, if ever, in my life, though I'm sure I've had weak moments. None that I recall. And I don't think this next request qualifies for it either. But I want to let you know, my loyal listeners, that now you can go sign up for the Getting It Out Patreon for a measly $2 a month. This year, you're going to get all the episodes exclusively ad-free uh, before they are aired in the regular feed. In fact, right now, there's an interview up there with Mike Schlebaum of Darkest Hour. He's also in Be Well, by the way. We touch on that briefly. You want to know what else to talk about? Just sign up for the Patreon. $2 a month. You won't even notice it coming out of your account. I highly encourage you to get it done as soon as possible. There'll be all sorts of other perks there as well. What there will be remains to be seen. But hey, in the beginning of part one of the top 23 of 2023, I told you there'd be a third apology. This one isn't it. I'm not apologizing. I'm thanking you for even considering. It'd be really nice if you'd pitch in. I'll never know if you didn't, but I'll certainly know if you did. And I would appreciate that. Now let's get to business. This is part two in the top 23 of 2023. And we might as well start it off with my 15th favorite record of 2023. Let's go. How do you remember rollerblading? Is it with embarrassment? You don't have to answer out loud, but I'm sure you did. Is it embarrassing? It's okay. Not the answering out loud, the rollerblading, the way you remember it. Or is it cool? Does anyone remember looking cool while they were rollerblading? You might have called it thrashing. I know one guy that did. You might not have looked cool, but you certainly felt cool. We all did. It was a time and a place thing. I'm not sure it can be explained. Maybe you used them to play hockey, but mostly you used them just to cruise. Cruising used to be cool. I don't know anybody who cruises anymore, and I don't know anybody who in hindsight was cool while they were cruising, whether that's on a longboard, rollerblades, or a drop-top Impala. I guess that would be kind of cool. Depends on the circumstances, though. 
There's a lot of things that can make cruising uncool. But one of the things that makes cruising very cool is when you do it in a music video with a pizza in your hand. And that's how Nashville's Howling Giant exploded onto my radar a few years ago. They had a music video for the song Cybermancer and the Doomsday Express, where a guy essentially delivers a pizza on rollerblades. That's the video. And I love it. I loved it so much that I hooked up with Tom Polzine and Zach Wheeler, both of the band Howling Giant, to have a conversation about their band and the record that that came out on. It was called The Space Between Worlds. It was on Blues Funeral Recordings. And ever since then, I've kind of been obsessed with this band of geeks, obsessed in a light way, obsessed in the way that I just like to listen to everything they put out. They have also become the best band at covers ever since then, at least that I've noticed. I've never heard a band do better renditions of every song out there. Line one up for them. I'm sure they'll knock it out of the park. But better than all of that, of course, is their original music. And this year, we were blessed with a new record from Howling Giant in Glass Future. It came out on Magnetic Eye Records on October 27th, and it's spectacular. If you need a similarity, let's say Torch on Antidepressants. The band is upbeat and remarkably catchy. I add in some Blue Oyster Cult because there's plenty of cowbell which by the way, they do a great cover of Godzilla. I truly feel like they could turn any song into a hit. If they wanted to, they choose not to. They choose to keep it at a certain level that I respect. A little proggy, a lot of harmonies. Capable of jamming, but they show restraint. Excellent songwriting all the way around. Tracks like Siren Song, Hawk in a Hurricane, Juggernaut, and standout single Sunken City are prime examples of what Howling Giant is capable of. And the hits keep coming on Glass Future, which the album artwork is like a dragon in the sky. It's all red and orange and maybe pink. I don't know. I'm a little bit colorblind. And this this dragon has like crystals on its head and on its tail, maybe if that's what else is poking there. I'm not sure what's going on in the cover. It's totally nerdy. And that's something these guys lean into. And I respect it. Howling Giant is simply fun. And in 2023, they delivered another killer record to their discography with Glass Future. Here's that previously mentioned standout track.
Buffalo, New York has a crazy city hall building. It was built 94 years ago in 1930 and towers over the west side of Buffalo like a like a tower. If you were to jump from its highest point and the wind was right, I'm certain you might land in Canada. Though the building is a 398 feet tall, you'd certainly be dead, which may actually be the best way to experience Canada after all. Anyway, my point is that it's massive, it's ornate, symmetrical, and art deco, whatever that means. Do those things contradict each other? I'm not sure, but it is pretty beautiful. Weird thing to say about a big brick building, but you kind of got to stand in front of it on a clear sky day like I did uh, two summers ago to appreciate it. I took a picture. It was that nice. I didn't know what it was at the time, though, but it stood out. There's a sculpture of Grover Cleveland in front of it. He's one of the guys out there, at least. That's a guy who was president two times, which is a funny thing to bring up in an argument when somebody says there have been X amount of presidents. You can go, well, actually, there's one less than you think it was. Maybe two less. We'll see how this year ends. Anyway, something like that building doesn't come to mind when I think of Buffalo as a city. I think of a cold and quiet city. Though I think the fact that the city hall is air conditioned by the winds off of Lake Erie qualifies it as cold. It's true. The winds come in through vents on the west side. They go down to the basement and then shoot up through the rest of the building. All 398 feet. How does that work? I'm not sure exactly. But it's wind-powered air conditioning. It's probably not called that, but whatever. Anyway. I think of harsh winters and dense concrete, fat football fans flying through lawn furniture in beer-soaked parking lots. That's what I think of. Orchard Park, isn't that what they call the stadium? I saw Metallica there. It was great. I think it's stuff that is tough, hardcore that is hard. Buffalo is the home of Exhibition, a band who, despite their name, seems to be playing for keeps on their debut full-length The Last Laugh. Released on February 17th, 2023, the 10-song LP rips from beginning to end in just over 23 minutes. It's a viciously paced dosage of hardcore punk play with the technicality of thrash metal. You can call it crossover. I think, I think that would probably be appropriate. I get the sense that the musicians in Exhibition are capable of playing a more advanced style of music, but are happy to push aside their proficiency in favor of something more aggressive. The Last Laugh is raw in a way that traditional crossover typically isn't. Not only are they in the same state, but the same state of mind as the classic New York hardcore gods. You can hear their love for hardcore in their cover of Iron Cross's Crucified or on the eponymous track that leads off the LP. But the track I want to play from my 14th favorite record of 2023 is called Bottom Feeder.
Here's what I remember about the 1990s. Sunny Delight, Sunny D. You might know it better as Sunny D. Lots of commercials for Sunny D. Sometimes we even drank it. It wasn't orange juice. It was orange drink. What does that mean? Doesn't go bad. Leave it out in your porch all night. You can still drink it in the morning. If it gets hot, take a swig. It'll coat that throat, but it will not kill you. It turns into a syrup. Here's what else I remember about the 90s. More commercials, lots of TV commercials, lots of radio commercials. Things were very commercial. There were cigarettes on billboards. People who smoked Newports were fit and fabulous. Convertibles, bathing suits, zero t-shirts. That's what Newports could do for you. Forget the fiberglass. Take it in. The music was harsh and heavy and commercial as well. How did that work? It's not like it is today. These were rock songs, rock bands, metal stuff, alternative music on the radio, on your TV, everywhere you listened, you heard it. The politicians were goofy. Read my lips, said George Bush. Bill Clinton played a saxophone. Ross Perot quit and then came back, and then quit, and then came back, and then quit, and he had big ears. And I wasn't sure if he was the guy behind Purdue Chicken or not, because I couldn't differentiate the words Purdue and Perot. These are the things that were happening in the 90s. Super soakers, not just a regular dinky water pistol. You're getting soaked, bitch. Lots of pumps. That was the way to do it. Extra damage. You might lose an eye, but hey, it's water. Don't you dare fucking cry about it. Michael Jordan was there. He was good at sports, mostly basketball. Not so great at baseball, but he did try. When did he try? Right after he murdered his dad. Don't remember that? Look it up. He did it. Guilty. Not sure my timeline on that, but close enough. The Houston Rockets stepped in for a couple years there. Hakeem, the dream, Olajuwon, Rex Specs and all dominated. The Knicks failed and flailed. The Dallas Cowboys were relevant and good, and I hated them more than anything in my life, and that remains the same. Starter jackets were pretty slick. I had a Florida State Seminoles one. Why? Because I jumped on the bandwagon when they had Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward? Yes, the guy who won the Heisman Trophy, which is the trophy for the best player in college football. And then he got drafted by those same New York Knicks. That's a basketball team. Do you see how that jump doesn't make any sense? It did back then. These were the 90s. Lots of crossover appeal. If you can't handle it, you didn't live through it. It wasn't hard, actually. It was pretty easy. It was kind of nice. I enjoyed my time in the 1990s because I was 6 through 16. Those are the prime years of your life as a youth. By the end of it, I was driving. But in between, it was being confined to the neighborhood, breaking out when I had a skateboard, never ride a bike. I had a Huffy. It was fluorescent green and white and black. It was pretty cool, but I never rode it because I found out about skateboarding. We had the internet. It wasn't very good yet. You didn't go there for media, maybe to read the news. Otherwise, radio, MTV, buy your CDs, maybe cassettes. CDs came later. Anyway, music back then was incredible. I love it. I love it to this day. And I've recently started to come around to bands that are playing that throwback 90s style. Now, sometimes I just dislike it because I'm a bit of a curmudgeon. And other times I hear a band who strikes exactly the right chords, even though I don't totally place it back into that sound. There's enough similarities that takes me to a place in my mind. And that's what happened 
the first time I heard the 13th album on this list, Dossers, Violent Picture, Violent Sound, released on Really Rad Records. It's a combination of that 90s grunge mixed with the more indie rock shoegaze style. There's a little bit of new metal in there, too. You might hear some Deftones, but mostly it's just rock and roll. But it's done with those rose tinted glasses to my favorite era of existence. In 2023, I had the pleasure of sitting down for a conversation with Will Teague and Brett Lanahan of the band, and I asked them specifically, were they around for the 90s? Did they get to enjoy the music as it happened? So, yeah, for me, that was a massive part of my life uh, when I was a kid. My mom, you know, she had me a little bit younger and she was very much into music. She's the reason I play music. She always had records and she was obsessed with like Nirvana and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and, Sh- and Stone Temple Pilots and all those bands mm-hmm. that were like huge radio. So my second record was Nirvana in Utero, which fucking just like blew my fucking mind. It's like a, what, a six year old, you know? So ever since then, man, it's just been like anything that's like a little bit catchy, like noisy fucking just massive fucking pounding drums dude it's just later you know as i became a teenager got into like a bunch of like punk rock shit but i was more into like like the all punk shit like i was really into fugazi and sonic youth and uh like scratch acid and the jesus lizard and you know more on the noisier noise rock side of things but i would always gravitate back towards things that had melody which was why nirvana was such a big influence as a kid yeah, man. I uh, I was young, but I still vividly remember listening to all those songs as they were airing on the radio.
There aren't many things that are more fun than defining genres. What type of music is this? What type of music was that? I'll tell you. Let me cue it up. Take a listen. In just under 30 seconds, I'll give you a diagnosis. Having said that, there are bands that I don't know how to put in the box that I want to put them in. I don't know if they fit. I don't care if they do. I always mention bands like All Out War and Ringworm, who are essentially metal bands who have been consistently claimed as hardcore bands. And I don't know what the ramifications of that distinction are or have been. It doesn't matter, really, at the end of the day. Does it benefit them? I think so. Does it hurt them? Maybe. We'll never know because it's already done. It's already set in stone. There are bands that come out of the hardcore scene, some of which are anointed as true bona fide death metal bands and others that are still considered some type of crossover. What the big difference is, I'm not exactly sure. And who makes that decision remains to be seen. However, there's one band that kind of checks all these boxes, and that's New England's Fuming Mouth. In 2023, on November 3rd, Through Nuclear Blast Records, they released their latest album, Last Day of Sun. And it's a record that we didn't know if we were ever going to get. Frontman, mastermind, guitarist Mark Whalen was unfortunately diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. But once he defeated that beast, he brought us a new record of what we're going to call death metal. Why are we going to call it death metal? Because that's what he calls it. And he's earned the right. Actually, I talked to him last year on episode 349 of Getting It Out podcast, and I brought this up to him. What do we call the music on Last Day of Sun? Because there are some songs, some very obvious songs that don't sonically sound like death metal. My example at the time was the track Leaving Euphoria. I asked him this question. What do we call this music? And here's what he had to say. Death metal. Death metal. (laughs) Because leaving euphoria to me is still, I I started looking at everything like death metal. Like I would look at like a huge dumpster truck making like the loudest noises, rusty, like dumping. I'm like, Oh, that's so death metal. Like I would say that to like my friends or whatever, when we're walking by and they would too, it's, it's one of those things where it was like, everything just started seeming death metal. It became more of like less of, uh, you know, um, Oh, morbid angel, something that sounds like, uh, uh, more sound to like uh, uh like oh dude that dude just got hit by a car that's so death metal and like <laughs> like that just started i think that kind of happened in the studio where it was like leaving euphoria is so death metal to me where it's just like these uh, we use these ugly metal symbols for it covered in like rust and like uh, i mean oxid oxidation and just like what looked like mold and just smack like even though it's such like an emotional quiet song without any distortion pedals Mm -hmm. you know i i would i would choke i would be like this is the most like death metal thing we could do (laughs) so that officially sets it in stone fuming mouth last day of sun that's a death metal record it's a death metal record it's the most dynamic death metal record released in 2023 and while it doesn't top my list it gets pretty fucking close. One of the cool things about this album are the contrast, the things that you don't typically find on a traditional death metal record. One of the singles, I'll Find You, is another track that stands out. And Waylon considers it the first love song in Fuming Mouth's discography. And it also happens to be a song that I love.
how is music that creates a feeling of uneasiness at all appealing? I'm asking for a friend. Why do we like it? Someone give me the psychology. Don't say it like a doctor, though. My friend will never understand that. Please spoon feed me. My friend to us. Okay, it's me. I'm my friend. Juna, a duo led by guitarist and Moog bassist Donna Diane, delivered their sophomore album Femina Ferns in 2023. The highly anticipated follow-up to 2019's Ex Voto, which Cult Nation called an angular noise rock escalator run on power and beauty. A record that should be heard by all music lovers, no matter what scene you are a part of. That's what we call hype. But I just said delivered because they did. They includes drummer Jared Carnes, by the way. Femina Furins collides formal poetry, the likes of Sylvia Plath with unrestrained and abrasive heavy noise rock. There's a concept throughout the record on Diane's fight with complex post-traumatic stress disorder or CPTSD. This whole thing is deep. And if you're like me or my friend, you may be too shallow to notice all the intricacies. That, however, doesn't mean the album will be lost on you or any surface level listener. The biggest appeal of Juna is the power of the performance, and that is gloriously on display throughout Femina Ferns. And why I have chosen it as my 11th favorite record from 2023. The song I'd like to share with you now is called Seven Winds of Sekhmet.
When I was a kid, my family and I used to get our haircuts at a hair salon, like a real full of ladies hair salon. The waiting areas had those helmet hair dryer things, whatever they are, whatever they do. Sometimes you had to move chairs so a perm could be set or something. I was never really sure. I was there to get my bowl cut into shape. I did the undershave thing because my hair was too thick. It was not a cool process, but it had badass results for a middle schooler. Though the best part of the hair salon for me was the endless bowl of Tootsie Rolls and the pile of Rolling Stone back issues. When I became a music-obsessed teenager, it was like a gold mine. I've only read one copy of Rolling Stone since then. The September 10th, 2015 issue featuring a Russell Wilson cover story while on vacation in the Outer Banks. It also included a feature on Dallas Cowboys wide receiver Des Bryant. It's where I learned his brother is also his uncle. I forget how it works, but it's true. More importantly, it was incredible fuel for many anti-Cowboys rants. And anytime he had a good play, I took solace in the fact that his brother and his uncle are the same motherfucker. The other piece of new information I took from this particular magazine was that the Black Keys' Dan Auerbach had a new psych band with multi-instrumentalist Richard Swift called The Arcs. Unfortunately, following the release of the debut album Yours Dreamily and some light touring, the band grinded to a halt with the death of Swift in 2018. Fast forward to May of 2021, when there's not a whole lot going on for touring musicians, when Auerbach and crew revisited some previously recorded material. The result of that rediscovering eventually led to the release of Electrophonic Chronic in early 2023. Personally, the album was a pleasant surprise as I thought the band was Tupac backwards. Kaput. Since its release, I have been unable to resist it for nearly a year now. It's a pristine recording and even features drums and backing vocals from the departed Richard Swift himself. The band considers the record to be done in his honor and what an honor it is. Electrophonic Chronic is like a psychedelic journey into soul-stirring R&B. It's bluesy, sweet, and soothing. I have no idea where it fits in or whether the arcs have been a commercial success, but I'd argue everyone should hear it. And I'm going to do my part right here to make sure that it is. Here is Eyes.
way forever Well, at least until tomorrow When I come to see you Crying hallelujah sense that we're all nostalgic for the era we grew up in. Some of us are even fortunate enough to call the 1990s our formative years. That's not shade to anyone who can't, but it is quite evidently the best time that ever existed. Recently, the evidence is all around us. That's the cyclical nature of trends, whether culturally, musically, or fashionically. The popular rock music mood and even clothing was heavy back then. Distortion, layers, baggy clothes, baggy eyes, bulk cuts with undercuts, and a lot of earth tones. No, not earth tone nine. They came along later. You don't remember them anyhow. That's okay. You didn't miss anything. Don't look them up. Rightfully so. The music from that era, namely Nirvana, Allison Chains, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and the like, are revered in 2023. It was only a matter of time before bands full of kids who missed that era put their spit on the classic sound. I'm not checking the birth certificates, but that's what Narrowhead sounds like on their latest full-length moments of clarity. Maybe not those aforementioned bands specifically, but probably Quicksand, Smashing Pumpkins, and even Deftones. Flesh in Solitude, a track from the record, could sneak onto the track list of Around the Fur, and no one would bat an eye. It's melodic, crunchy, angsty, and like a lazy emo. The vocals are often moaned like a drunken slur through the verses. They do that quiet verse, loud chorus thing that the Pixies probably started. There's a buttload of palm mutes and pinch harmonics and one specific guitar solo that absolutely screams, Dinosaur Jr. My only complaint is that they have the aesthetics of rollerblading. But that's also from the 90s, I guess. Okay to say you 
good language barrier. The thicker, the better, in fact. When I'm looking for an excuse to not communicate with someone, an invisible barrier is an undeniable scapegoat. How could you know what I can or cannot understand? No hablo English, bitch. Interestingly, the rest of my family seems to be, or at least on their way to understanding and communicating in multiple languages. For example, my wife grew up in Italy where naturally she spoke Italian. When she flips it on, I'm stunned. I've got nothing. Deer in headlights. I might run into traffic. I don't know what's happening. I'm helpless and I am impressed. Should she choose to, she could yell at me in another language. I don't know why she would, but she could. It would likely not behoove her or I. In fact, if the latest album from Japan's Blow Your Brains Out is any indication, it might cause me to mosh, which is unlikely her desired reaction in this hypothetical altercation and unlikely for me as I don't move that way anymore. It's not what you said, it's how you said it. Who hasn't heard that familiar phrase? Often meant negatively, this Tokyo-based hardcore crew says it all right on their debut LP, The Big Escape. They dropped a demo in 2019 that made some waves throughout the hardcore scene. It wasn't enough to get my attention. I'm thankful for that because my introduction to the band was all the more impactful in 2023. Despite the general aesthetic of the record, this is more dynamic than straight up hardcore. Through nine songs and 15 minutes, blow your brains out channel that classic Chromag sound filtered through a modern hardcore lens. There's even like a unique rhythm to the music that pairs perfectly with all the Japanese lyrics. This record has an unexpected bounce to it, and it's been rattling around my brain all year. And now it's time for it to rattle around yours. This song is called Reveal Your Rotten Minds. That was eight more songs from eight more albums on my best of 2023 list. That means there's one more part to go. Two thirds down, 
The next and last part in this series will feature seven more tracks and albums, my top seven of 2023. I said I wasn't going to let this drag out all the way through January, and uh, that'll be true, but it'll be close. So uh, I apologize for that, I guess. No, I don't. I take it back. Anyway, that's going to be it for this one. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.